Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello everyone, welcome to the Red Men TV podcast for the final time this season. Uh, we're going to head into the breach. We're going to be talking about the win uh, that saw Liverpool secure the Champions League places with a third place finish in the league, making you wonder what was the point of all the stress they put us through. Um, and we're going to be talking about Genie Wijnaldum, the legacy that he leaves and our favourite Genie moments and memories before having a little bit of a look ahead um, to the summer transfers and all that good stuff, which is I'm sure we'll be kicking into overdrive from like literally yesterday. Um, it is myself and Chris Pajak in the studio from Team Coppish. We've got Callum Sanderson and we've got the wonderful Emma Sanders as well. Um, Callum unfortunately didn't get the memo about wearing uh, one of our just had just one of the just had it t shirts. Um, we'll make sure Callum gets one box the next time. Um, but that's that, that, very cool. Um, right, we're going to kick off question um, from Curtis Beggs at KTB86 on Twitter. Um, who would you rather pay money to watch a boxing match between on Sky Box Office? Very specific. Uh, Carragher versus Neville or Sunus versus Keane? And the last caveat this, which I think probably tips the conversation slightly all for being their current age Chris Page it's a tough I actually found it really tough because the first thing I was thinking is Sunes versus Keane but like Sunes is quite a bit older than, than Roy Keane he's had he? major heart bypass surgery yeah it's not something <laughs> that I'd particularly feel comfortable watching yeah um, a bit like when you watch the last fight in The Wrestler and you're yeah. like, it's not going to go well for me. Yeah, yeah. but then I'm also thinking like Kerger and Neville, the, Neville, they're probably quite evenly matched. It's just going to be a points decision and I really don't get into boxing matches to watch 12 rounds. Mm. I want to watch three to four and a big heavy knockout and I just don't think either of them have got it in them to knock the other one out. Really? Yeah. I, I think it's one of those... And I, I think it might end up on points, but I think it's one of those that would end up at 12 rounds. Oh my God, where they're both destroyed and they're like, you know, there's, there's bits hanging off them because of the, what's at stake? I'm not sure either. It would be no quarter asked, non given, as the, uh, to use some old school wrestling parlance. But go on, Emma, what, 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 what would you be going for? Yeah, I thought about this for like a ridiculous amount of time this morning. Like, it's quite embarrassing how much I thought about this. Um, yeah, I think like the age thing was interesting because I was thinking it would be quite fun actually to watch like Sunus and Keane just sort of, it'd be like watching like your dad's just in the boxing ring and it would just be like pretty hilarious. But ultimately it came down to the fact that the kind of the build up stuff on social media 
and the reaction to it would be loads more entertaining between Neville and Carragher. So yeah, um, that's yeah, that's why I'm going for them. There would be, I mean, the, the two men closer to the primes, of course, aren't they, Callum? So I think there's definitely a bit more longevity in that. And again, slightly less uncomfortable as watching Graham Sunes do, because Graham Sunes would not bow. He would not act as though he's a much a much older gentleman with a dodgy ticker. He would probably go <laughs> full at it. Um, God, so what do you reckon? Um, when when I first saw the question, until I saw the bit of them being at their current ages, I'd have gone keen and soonest. And I think with with soonest, he strikes me as the sort of guy who, as you said, he'll keep going to the final bell. Like Keane's dangerous because he just strikes me as a man who's got nothing to lose. He doesn't love anything, does he? And it's <laughs> <laughs> a dangerous man to get in a ring with, in my opinion. But, but yeah. current ages, it's got to be key, it's got to be um Carragher and Neville. Plus, the reason I'd want to see it as well because Carragher does a bit of boxing training with Bellew, and um, it it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world seeing a, a second round knockout of Gary Neville just once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just one. I think I, I think has got a knockout in him. Like, yeah, he keeps, he keeps. They both keep themselves in reasonable. Tim, don't they? I know Carragher does a lot of does a lot of running and stuff. Like, but yeah, I think Carragher is. I think Carragher is taken. I think Carragher would batter Neville if I'm being perfectly honest. Just because mm. I don't think he could allow that the opposite to happen. The only way it is like if he goes too much. You know, like you go too hard and you you break something, and then you're on the on the. On the I was just thinking, like, wouldn't it be more fun? Not not a tag team match, but like all four of them in the ring. But you so fatal four way. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> what you're saying to them is like, look, Sunesh, I'm gonna try and get rid of Neville as early as possible, and then we can both be keen up. Yeah. Because that would be the most fun thing to watch, yeah. wouldn't it? I think if we're gonna do dream matches, I think a prime of the lives thing. Would be a fast because I, I I don't think a tag team of Sunes and Carragher has would, would I think they would make short work of of Neville and Keane because Keane like again Keane would be uh, sorry Gary, Gary Neville would be healthier but it was not like I don't associate him with being anything really you know what I mean maybe I mean look he love, he he's been beating his, he love and beating Phil up his whole life and thinking he's dead hard because you meant to beat up you meant to beat up your little brother aren't you. Um, <laughs> So maybe maybe that leads him into a false sense. We're carrying it on from the mean streets, the mean streets of Bootle. Um, Graham Sunes would jaw people just for looking at him the wrong way <laughs> on the field. Keen would give it, give, give it, give it plenty. But he also comes from, the, you know, when football started to soften as well. So he he looked like a hard man in a game that would had a lot of the edges sanded off it. So uh, Graham Sunes, I think it, at prime of their careers, I think Sunes would probably take them all. Yeah. Um, with with a full perm and moustache as well, you know what I mean. People are going and go, oh, yeah, oh god, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the tips of his bollocks hanging out, like you know what I mean. <laughs> just to just to really put people off, uh, he would. And then he plants a flag in their faces when he was when he was done. Yeah, definitely. Uh, good question, Curtis. Thank you so much for that. Um, right, we're going to be talking about the end of the season. Uh, we're going to be talking about our farewell to Genie album. If you've got any um, comments or, or well wishes for Genie, let them let us know them in the comments, and I'll get through some later on. Uh, and we're going to talk about the summer ahead but before we do speaking of the summer ahead we have got a phenomenal documentary series coming very soon for you guys teaser two we dropped at the weekend if you haven't seen it yet um check it out and if you've seen it already watch it again because it's genuinely amazing here it is this is Paige, the co-host of giggly squad and i want to tell you about a company that i've been loving olive in june olive in june gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, welcome back. Yes, I can't. That smile. Yeah, that smile. Uh, just Stephen Joe. That f- when we got that footage dropped in, so like Rangers were good enough to record that for us. Um and we got that in and we had an idea of what we wanted that teaser to look like. And then when we saw the footage, it was like, <laughs> um, yeah, great, great stuff. Obviously, um, yeah, do perfect time to sign up on the TV.com now. We're on the countdown to episode one of Hendo, 10 Years of Red. Uh, there'll be more to come in the coming days and weeks teasing. I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's some pretty impressive people, even I have to say. Um, but there's loads, just so much more. You guys haven't even got your heads around just yet. So, yeah, do sign up now. Um, we've had uh, Devraj Singh has joined us as a first teamer here on YouTube. Thank you so much, Devraj. Uh, and Cy Banstead sends a super chat in saying uh, how are the muscles after yesterday's kick about in Anfield not good no not good the head's still not good either from Sunday well a Saturday and Friday um, well yeah it was three days yeah yeah. Chris the 38 year old man went on a three day bender <laughs> and then ended it by playing on the pitch at Anfield I do <laughs> rock and roll yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Live life while you've got it. Um, so, yeah, good fun. Good fun. You can see a little, a little from the clips from that of me and Chris very slowly going through the motions on the Anfield turf on our Instagram account right now. Um, but, yeah, great. Thank you so much to Simon Banstead for the uh, super chat. Um, right. Yes, let's dive into it then. The um, season is You done. literally dropped something on the floor before. I went, oh, no, as you went down to get Do you know what it was? I bought ibuprofen joint relief. <laughs> Right, <laughs> and then got got one out of the packet and dropped it on the floor. Wow! Yeah, that was, uh, oh no! Oh god! Oh my god! Yeah, horrendous, horrendous. Um, right, so the season is over, Chris Pajak. Um, Finally, yeah, it's done. No, no, and and it was, and there was a point. That's what's really interesting about it, as I think there was a point about a month ago where I just wanted it over. I didn't care. I figured the season was going to be an absolute write-off. It was an absolute disaster. I'd mentally prepared myself for 
the Europa and the conference or no, you're, whatever. I just wanted it done because I, it, it's just been crap. It was, and it, it was hurting. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah, it was just painful. Um, and now it's done, and and Liverpool have have, have met the minimum objectives for the season. Um, there was just a palpable sense of relief more than anything else. Yeah, it was, and I think you know, for for Liverpool and for all of us watching, we knew how important the end of the season could be, and you know because. You know, you don't you don't make it into the Champions League, and you don't know how long you're going to be put back for. These are things that clubs take a while to recover from. Um, as we've seen, you know, your Manchester United, your Arsenal. Once you stop getting that top four, it starts to become so difficult to get back into it. And you know, I think a lot of people had a lot of faith in in Jurgen Klopp and his side and stuff like that. And I was very much waning. I was like, I can't. You know, I shouldn't have wrote them off. But equally, they never showed me anything that they were going to change it. And then all of a sudden, they went from being one of the worst sides in the league to literally the best side in the league uh, in the last 10 games by playing Nath Phillips and Reese Williams at the back. And you're thinking to yourself, how have, they done, how have they done this? It's like pulling a rabbit out of a hat, isn't it? Like, you know what I mean? It's just, and it's sick. And then you get back into the ground as well. We're lucky enough, obviously, to go to the game. And all I wanted was just more season to actually happen yeah. because it's so much different being able to be back in the ground and enjoy that. And just, it was one of them where you, in years gone by, you will talk about that day. Like, you know, you were lucky enough to be there, but you saw Anfield in a different way mm -hmm. that I've never seen it with that few people in before and got to experience it. And and in the end, you know, I got to say my goodbyes to, to that Liverpool side and Genie Wijnaldum. Mm, yeah, which we'll, we'll definitely come on to. I thought it was really interesting talking to a couple of people after the fact. Um, and I was talking to Ben and, and Errol afterwards and they were saying, like, the, the first questions they were asking me was, like, were you, were you nervous? What was, what was the atmosphere? A bit flat and blah, blah, blah. And I, and it was, I realised that I've not been at the face of the differences between being in the ground and watching it at home in so long that I... I'd forgotten it's a thing and it was mad I don't know what your experience was like watching it but I, uh, what I'm gathering is a lot of the coverage is around like the at the table as it stands so there was like a lot of like and now oh, Liverpool are outside the top four as it stands because of blah 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 which I thought was dead funny because I got nothing but it, it, with the exception of that Townsend chance I was so relaxed for the whole game but I get the feeling that the coverage kind of put people through the ringer a little bit yeah, so I, I was doing the live text for the website, so I was watching five games at once. Um, there was two of us across across the 10 games, but my my focus was uh, mainly kind of on, well, obviously it was on Liverpool, but then I had sort of the West Ham Tottenham about whether or not they were going to kind of get Europa League. Um, so, but then, uh, yeah, and then obviously we were keeping an eye on, on Leicester Chelsea. So it was very much a... Uh, yeah, this team's out of the top four. This team's in, and actually, for like for me, it was more trying to figure out when, at what points, Liverpool were third, yeah. because it, obviously it was like sort of on goal difference at loads of different points. So um, basically, I think before Liverpool went one 0 up, they went from uh, fifth to third to fourth to fifth. I think within the space of about twenty minutes, um, and then and then obviously when when I think pretty much from when Liverpool scored, it was. Like Liverpool, I don't think dropped out the uh, out the well, no, they didn't drop out of the top four, but it was pretty much um, plain sailing from then. But it was very like I guess like for you guys being in there, your only focus yeah. is on that one yeah. game. But so when when Chelsea got one back against Villa, um, and then obviously Leicester went down to Spurs. I think that was kind of when I knew the moment was that I think Liverpool was safe. But 
up until that point, it was, you know, an equaliser at Anfield could have changed everything. So, um, I, you know, that kind of put everything into a, a little bit of perspective. But no, I think it was it was just that I don't think like from me watching it at no point did I think that once Liverpool went ahead that they were that they were getting out of the top four. Like it just looks like they'd gone there to do the job and they would like they were getting it done. It was just a case of whether or not they were going to finish third or fourth. So to actually finish third at the end of the season is just absolutely What was your crazy. what was your experience like on the day, Callum? Yeah, it was a it was a weird one. Up until the Townsend mischance, I was thinking we haven't surely got ourselves back into a top four contention. They're never going to bottle it on the last day in front of fans at Anfield. We, surely we're not going to do that. They just yeah. won't put us through that anymore. We've, we've gone through those days. They won't do that to us again. And once that chance was missed, in a weird way, I just felt, right, that's it. Palace have missed their big chance. We've got this yeah. now. But yeah, as you said, it was a case of sort of seeing the other games and seeing how they were playing out. And you're just thinking, all we need to do is just get one goal. Once we get one goal, I don't care what happens in the other games because I know we'll hang on and we'll we'll get more goals or we'll lift in confidence. The crowd will get behind the players. So as soon as that Mane shot went in, I was just like, yeah, we've, we've done it. And then it was a case of, right, where do we finish? Do we finish third? Do we finish fourth? But I was more than content and relaxed in that game. It was, it was, you know, Cal. It was, it was. We've seen that game loads now. You know, if you if you had to watch back our final ten games of the season, it was this game over and over again. Except we just scored the goals without too without too much fuss. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was that, wasn't it? The second that the second Mane scores, and that, again, it was true in the ground as well. I, I mean, I think the levels of relief depend on how much you've been hyped up over it. For for me, it felt like an inevitability. So it was just like, oh, we've done it. Now we've done it. It was great. And there was a big a big let off and stuff. But yeah, you, to your point earlier, it, it, it was hard to imagine a world where Liverpool had got themselves into this situation, got themselves in front of fans where we weren't actually going to do the business on the day. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, I thought top four was so... I didn't want to say it out loud, but I thought top four was wrapped up when, when Big Ali went up and scored that head. Like... <laughs> Things like that don't happen for you to finish fifth. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't happen. <laughs> That's a movie story script. That God's not going to let that happen. No, there's, there's a reason it happened. So when he scored that goal, I was just like... Not for his, right. his favourite fellas, just scored. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when he scored that, I was just like, yeah, we're good now. We're never going to see anything like that again. That's solidified us top four. I knew the Burnley game was going to start off tough, but I thought we'd grind them out and we did. And the Palace game at home in front of fans, Palace coming to Anfield for the first time with fans after the year and however long we've had no fans, I just, I just knew it was going to happen. Yeah, it was just... Um, do, do you know what it was for me? I, I think naturally, when it comes to footy, I'm quite optimistic. I'm not as optimistic as you are. And I think that's plain for everybody who's ever watched Redmen because I always lose <laughs> my head first. Um, but I also need the support of the fans because it's funny because... When you're in here or you're on Twitter or something like that, I always feel like there's not many optimists on Twitter or anything like that. But when you're in the ground, 
you're just one of 10,000 people who pretty much think the same way. Yeah. And that's what I got through from it. And, 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 and I think that's what I've learned most from this season is I need that support of the other optimists around me to keep me there with them yeah. and like buoying each other. Well, and we that. made the joke this last week about the, how am I supposed to feel about this? And the, the being in a crowd tells you how you're meant to feel about it. You know, so, so, sometimes subtly is that we got, we got the first example of someone did something a bit shit. I can't remember what it was, but it was like, it was, and then it was, yeah. and you turn yourself around and you start clapping and you start supporting the person. And that happened that time happen and time again. It was like, it happened with Jeannie Wijnaldum during the day. It happened with Mane when he big support shot. It happened with Nat Phillips, I think, for the, was that the Andros Townsend chance? When Nat the, Phillips the goes flying as well. in. The Williams yeah. that, That's what it is. It's that, but no, no. Right. Oh fuck. No, no, no. Come on, sing the name. Get back. Get behind the lads. This is what you're supposed to do, and that's what they've missed because that holds them to account. And then, no, oh, yeah, they believe in me. They believe in me, even when I've done something shit. So that's enough for me. And the way this team plays, and the way it's constructed, because people get, well, you know, we need a, a, a finisher. We need a finisher. We've always needed a finisher. There's no team that doesn't need a finisher, but we've. Those lads have scored loads more goals than they've scored, you know, this season individually, with the exception of Mo Salah. The way Liverpool are built is that another chance will come and you will take that one. But when you don't have that roar of support behind you, it, the belief will get will is, is is much more easily eroded. Whereas, you know, that was about the feeling of inevitability. We were playing well, you know. Emma referenced it. Reece Williams just that big header over the over the bar. We had a couple of decent, really, really good chances. In fact, we score. Probably the least we could we score the scrappiest of them because there is just that sense that it's coming because there's a there's a build there's a building support and there's just a building sense that yeah this is we're on the we're on the right path to this the one thing that I, I did, that came back which I didn't miss and I nearly had me I'd forgotten that I, 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 I have to stop myself with this of people getting annoyed when we pass it out around the back. Like, there's a couple of hairy <laughs> moments and there is, and you can't help it, your natural reaction is to go, is to tense up when the goalie's playing it around in tight situations. But the amount of times ever where we'd play it around and eventually someone would just spring someone with a wonderful little interchange of passes. But I did have to stop, nearly stop myself from going, oh my fucking God, it's how, it's how we play. This is how we play football. You can't be like, no, just kick. You're waiting for the first shelter. Just, just kick. Kick it long. No, don't just kick it long. You don't, you know, we've not come this far to just totally throw it away. No, it was, it, yeah, it, it, that, they're, they're the uh, the rough of the smooth kind of things. Yeah, really but that's cool. such that's such a good example because I commented on this on the live text that just like, I got a little bit emotional during like You Never Walk Alone just because I could see the players smiling and like Jurgen Klopp had the biggest smile on his face and it was like the players were playing with that freedom and it was almost like the pressure was off even though there was 10,000 people in there watching them yeah like do you know what i mean yeah. it's like it's like going on a stage in front of 10,000 people but that's what they're used to mm. so to them that's their comfort zone the, so the role like, the role yeah, for the, me sort the passing around the back was normal yeah it was the, the the stuff there emma like when the players first walked out to warm up there was just this Roar, this primal roar that went across the ground like ten thousand people. You never know. It was, you know, if, I mean, if it was fifty-five, I'd, I'd, you know, it would be the noise. So I've got no, I can't, I'll never be able to truly put them side by side. But like, I've, I have missed that. 
I've missed noise. You know what I mean? And it, 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 I found it actually quite draining. I was I was absolutely wiped out by the time I got I got back in. Like yeah. I think it was a bit it was a bit much. Like, but that was the thing. It was. I mean, Callum, it's a weird it's a weird day in the end um, because I, I find it a bit a bit bittersweet for a number of reasons. And I think the problem is it reminded me very much of us beating Middlesbrough in 2017. And I remember we did a live show that night. So we 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 finished. We did our post match videos, and we did a live show, and it was a, it was a really good laugh. But it wasn't like I was gonna say it wasn't dancing on the tables. It was for some people, um, but it was um, but it <laughs> sheltered after that. Um, but it was it was it was fine. It was we got good, thrown out of our own live show. Yeah, it was it was it was it was a good. But it was it was. A, I think it's one of them where. We got over the line. There was a great sense of relief, and there was celebration. Absolutely, but for me, anyway, it was a little bit like again, we just needed to get to this point. Just needed to do this. It was an. It was an. It became a massive box ticking exercise with more to it than that. You know, Jurgen Klopp talking about it being a bit one of the biggest achievements he's had because of all those things, but. It was what what we were playing for really was the was the ability to relax this summer. I think more than more than anything to be truly celebrated. Yeah, no, I agree. And this is, I mean, out of the seasons Klopp's been here, very rarely do we play us a game on the last day of the season that means nothing. It's just yeah. it's just the way it is with Jurgen. But it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, Going into this season, if you'd said to me, right, all you're going to do is finish third and you're not going to win any trophies or compete for any trophies, I'd, I'd have probably said a lot of words that would have got me kicked off a stream. But yeah. when you actually look at what's happened, I'll be honest, and I may, maybe I'm being a bit flippant or just being a bit reactionary, I actually think this may go down as one of Klopp's biggest achievements because I look at his last season at Borussia Dortmund and it was very similar to this. He was ravaged with injuries and... They, the team couldn't get any form and they were losing games they shouldn't have been losing after being so dominant. And they didn't really turn it around Whereas and didn't finish in the Champions League, they finished in Europa. Whereas we have turned it around, we have finished in the Champions League. And dare I say, I don't think Jurgen Klopp can go through a worse season than what he's gone through this season with yeah. professionally and personally. So for him to go through that and for us to, as a club and as a team to come through on the other side... I actually think it's going to galvanise us and I think it's going to make us a more difficult proposition for other teams next season. Yeah, I, I, I agree on that. You know, Liverpool, we the battle became to not have us be the story of the season, to not have us be like a laughing stock, to not to not totally and utterly undo all the work that had been done up up to this point, Chris. And and that's why it is. I mean, again, I'm sure the players had a great great laugh tonight. I know you had a good laugh going out and all that. I am... Um, I, I, I was me and Ben were talking about this. It's like, I, for me, it's just like again, the, the relief was so exhausting. I feel like I've been holding my breath for the last half a season because of like what what you because you, you're like, well, what happens next? What comes next? How are you meant to attract players? What does that mean for the players who were there? Uh, what does it look? What does it mean for your season next year when you're playing Thursday, Sunday, blah blah blah? All those all those negative strands that you were gonna be taking into the summer just got whoo, lopped off in the last well, three games, but on the back of te- of the te- of a ten game run. Um, we, we, again, to think me and Emerson is like the Euros. I get to just watch the Euros because I enjoy football. We're relaxed and enjoy some no strings attached football without having to think about what 
you know, the, the overriding depression of your football clubs fucking falling off a cliff. Yeah, and I think the other thing that Jürgen's shown us with this side over the last sort of 10 weeks is that, you know, we were we were laughing and joking about how easy it was to win points off Liverpool. Well, everyone tried the same technique that had been working all season long and it stopped working yeah. and Liverpool started to get those results. And, you know, but for a couple of late draws, we would have had an almost perfect run yeah. towards the end of the year. And that shows me that this side still plays on the edge, still plays well under pressure when it needs to, still can pull a result out of a bag when it needs to and never, ever gives up. And I think there's clear players there that have improved. You know, so you might look at this season and go, is Curtis Jones going to be further on in his development? I think he is. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going to be closer to be stepping up into that midfield slot for next season. I don't think it'll be next year, by the way. But um, Reese Williams, Naf Phillips, they've all shown us that we've actually got a better squad than we thought, even with just those two lads. Yeah. The, the fact that the way that they've played, even with their sort of ceilings being where, where they are, you know what I mean? And it, it doesn't matter. And yet somehow... Salah, Mane even towards the end of the season, Bobby Firmino, they turned it round from that point where they looked really like the, the, the three of them were just absolutely terrible together, Absol but they turned it round. Exactly, I think that's absolutely spot on. And Emma, that's the point, isn't it? Is that, you know, prior to this run of results, and probably a little bit early into it, because we still didn't realise what we were in the midst of, probably until about halfway through that, 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 that uh, last run, the Bobby Firmino stuff is Bobby Firmino. It's a time for him to move on. It's a time for Mane to move on. Um, Thiago Alcantara hadn't hadn't hit the at the heights for us. Is Nat Phillips good enough to play for Liverpool? Is Reese Williams good enough to play for us? Or uh, Trent Alexander Can't Arnold? Score a header. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All questions that got answered. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but and, and that's the point. Nat Phillips has ended up making himself. You know, he, he, he can. He's got the free. He's got give him the keys to the city as far as I'm concerned. But he's got the free. Just let him away. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> oh no wait oh no wait Sal sorry no, can, I, can I get them back yeah just pass them to us um, yeah like he's he's made himself what a 15 million pounds probably centre half 20 million pounds you know what I mean he, he's made himself good enough to be a Liverpool in the Liverpool squad for next season Reese Williams has, has done you know if he goes out on loan next season he sure as shit won't be going to the conference he'll be going to a championship or Premier League team if he, if, if, if he is Mane's fans, all of these things that we were probably going to be talking about and they were going to be big inquests over the summer are now complete non-issues. Yeah, and I think, like, I absolutely agree with Chris. I think he's hit the nail on the head. And I, I'm actually, while Chris was talking then, I was thinking of each season under Klopp and there's kind of, for me, a big thing of Klopp's kind of managerial um, sort of coaching that, that's kind of come out of each season. You know, the first one, it was... Can he can he attract players? And then the second one, it was like, can he get over the line and get into get into finals and win silverware? Um, can he you know can he win as a league title? He's ticked all those boxes. And then this year, it was very much like, can can he get the players to adapt? And so like when I look at this season, it's 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 the ability to adapt that that jumps out for me. He's improved players along the way, but not only that, it's people were were questioning, saying you know. I look back at two or three years ago, it's oh, Liverpool are just a counter-attacking team. You don't look at the Liverpool team now and go, oh, they're just a counter-attacking team. Like, hell no. Like, they can play, you know, three, four, five different ways because they've learned to adapt. And like you say, individually, he's made players better. So um, for me, that's what jumps out of this season is just that, yeah, the fact that they've had to change and get used to so many different yeah. situations and formations and personnel and those individuals have improved throughout the season. And, and those last 10 games, 
eight wins and two draws, that just shows. And like you say, every single player, including the big players as well, yeah. adapted the fact that Mane and, and Firmino finished the season strongly, it's, I think it says we, it all. We, we start the season in title winning form and we ended in title winning form and then they go look ultimately it depends on how you're looking to to, to feel about these things Carl and I, I you know as a glass half full person I, I tend to look at that as a positive given again given the context of the season because if you're having if you've got no mitigating circumstances that's just saying well you can't put a full season together but it's it says you know again when you're looking for what to take into the summer when you're looking what to be positive about when you're starting to look ahead to next season it says that it was, you know, it was Liverpool having to drag themselves out of a mire and being able to to drag themselves out. You know, Chris mentioned that there was a template of how to beat Liverpool and we didn't think we would be able to work it out. But we forget, you know, and we've forgotten that, you know, the whole smartest men in the room thing. We forget how many football and, you know, and analytical geniuses there are behind the scenes and the fact that Jurgen Klopp is just incredible and, and all the things that he's fostered in terms of squad mentality and stuff along the way that... It was always we were always going to turn it round if you take my meaning on that. But we can say that now because we get to look back over the four years that led up to this and say this was everything that happened was was the same can be linked back as opposed to this season, which very much looked like it was the you know we were talking about it, is this the end of this side? Does this side need this mantle? Does it need major surgery? Blah blah blah. We might still have those conversations, but to think that every the idea that every element of Liverpool Football Club is shite all of a sudden was a bit of a was was a bit of an exaggeration fed by the the circumstances. Definitely, and I think a lot of the times people neglect to differentiate between form and just a situation. Players can go through bad form, which unfortunately to to us kind of have all the players went through a bad patch of form all at the same time, which is very unlikely to happen on top of it being a COVID season, on top of all the injuries, on top of everything else that happened. So I think people sort of just looked at the results and said, all right, Liverpool are done, one season, one the flash in the pan, whereas without adding any context to what was actually going on. And that was probably the most frustrating thing. I think Emma hit the nail on the head. Everyone depicts us as just being this heavy metal team. We haven't been a heavy metal team for a little while now. We've become more possession-based and we're actually able to switch up how we play. For example, Atalanta away, we played counter-attacking and beat them 5-0. Yeah. In the season, we started using Van Dijk to use long balls out to our fullbacks and our and our wingers to negate the press of the midfield. And then you look at other games such as Chelsea at the beginning of the season where we played a more possession-based style. So Jurgen Klopp has built a team that can wear many different hats but he's not been able to allow the team to wear those hats this season because of injuries and because of bad form and and lack of personnel i don't think liverpool needs major surgery and to be honest if we need major surgery then i fear for the rest of the league because if we just had our worst season and we finished third everyone calls us worst champions even though we finished with less points behind man city than they did the previous season to us yeah and i fear for the rest of the league if we need major surgery so i think people need to look at context people need to look at what's actually happened and be objective in how they actually depict how our season's gone i mean chelsea santiago silva reese williams and that phillips finished ahead of them 
Um, <laughs> Tottenham have Alderweire, Eldon Davinson, Sanchez, Reese Phillips, Williams, and Nat Phillips finished ahead of them in the league table. Like you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's actually ridiculous yeah. when you when you say Thiago Silva was brought in to shore up that defence, and it looked like they were shoring it up at one stage, and we finished above them. Like no, absolutely, you know, and even that, even the worst case scenarios, all of their like their next choice of centre halves are all Premier Super Premier League experienced lads. Yeah, like Christensen and Zuma on the bench at the weekend in Chelsea. Yeah. Like uh, you know, and, and it, it would be the one below them that we, they were bringing in that's what Liverpool did absolutely it's, it's insane it's insane to see think here that that photo of, of Nav Phillips and Reese Williams arm in arm both with the big cuts over their eyes and the black eyes and they're like you know that looks like he's might, he might just be holding back a tear and Reese Williams is just like starry eyed looking at looking at the world and there's, there's never been a more perfect picture that sums up the season because you know there's loads of things and we're going to do see, we'll be doing season reviews over on the RedmanTV.com uh, this afternoon which will be going out there over the next week or so um, and we're going to be talking about the various players and performances and games of the season but like Thiago being boss at the end is great yeah. you know Salah doing another another Salah season Alisson's headers and Trent Alexander-Arnold and all these superstars you might as well you can talk about them and they'll always be talked about but it's Nat Phillips and Reese Williams and I feel a bit sorry for Ozan Kabak because he got injured at the wrong at the wrong time but those two lads and that picture that's like they may never kick a ball again for Liverpool, and but this season will be their season. They left it all on the line, didn't yeah. they? Like, if someone could Photoshop them into some kind of army uniform and put them on the beaches of Normandy and dull the photos down and such, <laughs> that's kind of what it reminded me of. It's like they'd literally just gone to war for and, and for something that they believed yeah. in, and they've come out and they've freaking done it. Like, it's, yeah. it's a glorious photo, to be fair. It's just wonderful. It sums up everything you love about them, everything I love about football and all that. Like, I mean, and just to, to, to on Calma's point, Emma, you know, in terms of the team, you know, you know what what needs to be done, and we're going to do that this after we do the genie stuff, of course, to expand on transfers. But in terms of that, like you say, in terms of that rebuild stuff, imagine if I think it was worked out. Is it less than ten minutes of the season we actually had? But I don't think we had our be- our best team out at any point this season because I've got a feeling that even Adrian started at, at, at yeah. Goodison. So yeah, it, like, you. so we started our best midfield. And they play, uh, you know, and we had so Fabinho, Henderson, Thiago, and then Van Dijk gets injured inside the first ten minutes, doesn't he? So Fabinho goes to set, go, does Fabinho get shifted or whatever, no, and then Thiago. Oh, sorry, yeah. the um, but you know, we we end up with you know, we've got Allison in that game. It's just mad. Like I, I would just give anything to see what our what I mean. We never played our strongest team at any at any point during that that season. At no point yeah. during it, we did. We played yeah. against Palace. That's for the Go no, it's, it, it's a really good point because it's like obviously we brought Tiago in the summer and he was you know the big signing essentially to take us kind of from being you know the Premier League, um, you know, quite comfortably the, the Premier League winners to then being, um, hopefully a team that was going to defend that title. And unfortunately, um, you know, Liverpool just never had that opportunity, but um. We, we only saw the best of him when Fabinho was playing in midfield. So um, that makes me so excited that we've got the best, in my opinion, you know, he was the best midfielder in the world when he came, when he came from Bayern. So, um, you know, we've, we've got that to look, apart from uh, KDB, uh, yeah. sorry. But yeah, um, so we've got that to look forward to next season is, is the best of Thiago um, alongside the best of Fabinho. And hopefully um, alongside our captain and that's, as well. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it's just like that in itself is something to look forward to because we've not seen that. And, 
And yeah, and Joe Gomez as well was coming, you know, that season, last season was, was that was his best season. That was his peak season. So he's only going to get better. So, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's talk of this rebuild and it's like, look, you look at, you look at the forwards and some people might say, you know, they might want to move on or I don't know, there's uh, some players who were starting to age, like Henderson in midfield, etc. But I mean, there's so many young world-class players in that side. Like Jota's like, what, 24? Trent is still basically <laughs> eight. So it's like, yeah, yeah. come on, guys. We've, we, we've got, we've got no, loads to look forward to. One player who won't be with us on the journey moving forward is Jeannie Wijnaldum. Um, obviously played his last game for Liverpool. Got a, a, an amazing send-off. Maybe. Um, can we, can, I don't want it to end just yet. Can we just say right now it's a maybe still? Yeah, yeah until, he, until he officially signs <laughs> with someone else. Yeah. I'm not ready to deal with it just yet. Yeah, I know. It was just great to see. You know, Obviously, they honoured the, um, the, honor the kit man and they had, they had, the, they had the, the, the guard of honour for him. Uh, it was just great because, again, it shows you what matters to Liverpool. Like, Roy Hodgson got a bottle of wine off Jürgen Klopp pre-match and it wasn't really publicised in, in, in any way. But, like, you know, the, the kit man gets a send-off uh, and Jeannie Wijnaldum, you know, for, for you know, he's just a, a player. Players players come and players go in squads. But I think it showed that Nick Chris, and we'll talk about our own personal feelings and memories on Jeannie in a sec, but I think it shows you how much he means to Jürgen, how much he means to Liverpool and how much he means to all the players. Yeah, and it's the way it's the way he went about it as well, isn't it? I mean, everybody knows he's had the problems with trying to get a contact sort and that he wanted to stay at Liverpool and he couldn't get the deal. And he didn't take any pressure and put it and apply it to the team in any way. He didn't speak about it until it was all over and done with. And, and that's a testament to the man that he is, isn't it? You know, he wanted the focus to be on get Liverpool into the top four. And I've seen some absolute horrendous takes on social media over the last few weeks about Jeannie Wijnaldum. And I don't think he was playing his best football, by the way. Um, but I also, was. but oh, well, I also realise now that you know when you see him in in the flesh, and I said this all along. When you see him in Anfield, he's a different player. Like you know, I don't know what he what everyone else thought of his performance at the weekend. I thought he was everywhere, uh, covered every blade of grass, and he's one of that leadership group. And he's for me, and I, and I, you know, you'll have heard me say this a thousand times during the game. He's the first one of the best side that I've ever seen with my own two eyes that's about to leave. So it's the beginning and the end and that makes me really sad. And I know it's a mile away from the end because, you know, Trent could be here for 15 years or whatever when the the last remnants of this side go. But he's the first one and that that's painful for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Uh, and Callum, he's, he, there's no other way to slice it. He's been integral. And, he, and, you know, he hasn't grabbed, the, he doesn't consistently grab the headlines. And this is the thing, you know, I've seen people, a lot of people reference like Ronnie Whelan from the 80s and, the, you know, who, who you know, it, he's not, it, Ronnie Whelan's not John Barnes and he's not Jan Mulby and he's not Ian Rush, you know, so he's not the guy who does all, all the stuff all the time. And we, we damn... It's the glue though, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. We damn with faint praise a lot when we talk about like, as though being available, like, oh, great, he's available, like it's a participation award. I mean, it's not just that. If, if, I could understand criticism from from people who don't really, you know, really get into footy, I guess, if he didn't have any highlights. But he's got loads of highlights. And, he, and, he, and again, be, he's there. If you look at a big Liverpool performance, Genie Wijnaldum is right there. Perfectly put. Um, I can't think of a big game Genie's played in for Liverpool where I thought, oh, what a letdown Genie's been today. Not one. And we've played some massive games since he's been here. And he's been integral right from his first season, right up until his 
last season. I think Genie's a victim of the, the stat-only community where people just look at stats and think, oh, well, he's sent up in field and Liverpool constantly only scores a couple of goals a season. You have to look at Genie with the eye test. And if you want to see how good he is in front of goal or how devastating he can be, go and watch him play for Holland and he'll show you. He's clearly playing in a system whereby his job is to recycle the ball primarily. Now, again, don't get me wrong, there's times where I get frustrated because he turns back instead of playing that killer pass or trying to play the killer pass. But you know what? It is what it is. I'll take that rather than a player who's unreliable or play regularly. Everyone talks about your navigators and your oxes, and for as great as their talent is, Genie is always available. Like, again, how often do we go into a season and think, Genie might be injured for half of the season, what are we going to do? He plays pretty much every single game and his replacements are at the club. Cater and Ox are at the club, but they've not shown it, unfortunately, down to injuries and circumstances and he's still stepped up and done it. I think it's a shame a lot of fan base, a lot of the fan base has kind of turned against him when none of us know the true story of what's happened behind the scenes. Again, he's not played his best football this season, but he's been relied upon when called and he, for me, leaves the club with his head held high and there should be no bad words spoken about Genie Wijnaldum, in my personal opinion. Unless you're the club doctor, because Genie never learns his name. <laughs> never needed to. <laughs> Just another person he'd randomly say hello to in the corridor. I was like, hiya, mate. <laughs> yeah, so, um, Emma, yeah, I mean, Genie Wijnaldum, I, I, his smile would light up Anfield, but he also had, you know, he had so many memories, so many moments. It's... It's mad that we're even having to have a conversation. If I'd not looked on social media, I wouldn't even need to feel the need to justify my positivity towards Genie Wijnaldum because, like, yes, he didn't play 10 out of 10 every week. No one does. Nobody does. But what you got, consistency is a very, very underrated trait in a football team. And our eyes are naturally drawn sometimes to the guys who burn, you know, shortly but brightly. But, you know, again, Dini Wijnaldum actually had a bit, had plenty of both as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and if you look at it from a purely investment point of view, you know, got him from a relegated relegated side and he's improved every single year. So, um, you know, in terms of from a, yeah, from a purely like sort of business point of view, we've absolutely made a huge profit in terms of what he's given back. You know, he leaves as a European champion, he leaves as a world champion, he leaves as a Premier League champion. He literally could not have won anything more with, with Liverpool other than the Carabao Cup, um, which no one gives a shit about. So um, he, he he's basically ticks every single box. Um, consistency, massive. But I think for me, and you, you said this right at the beginning there, um, it's it's the personality and it's the it's the kind of the character that leaves um, that I think will be will be the biggest miss. But for me personally and. I, like, I, I remember on uh, Sunday when we were in the office and someone someone shouted over and um, they, they were a freelancer and, and they said, uh, um, oh, Wijnaldum's captain today. And I said, yeah, um, but that's that's not that's not a token captaincy. That's because he is genuinely the captain mm-hmm. on the pitch today. And they were almost like a bit surprised. They were like, oh, really? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Like he's one of the longest serving, you know, when, when Hendo, when... Milner when Van Dyke isn't there you know he, he is captain and it was almost like a kind of I think that yeah. goes unnoticed as well 
is that he's such an important part of that dressing room yeah, from they, a personality point of view as well as the fact that he's just that an ever-present. Mm-hmm. And he's one of them, which tells you all you need to know about his standing in the squad. Yep. And I tell you what, I haven't seen any of the social media stuff really, uh, the hate on Genie other than a, a few bits in the warm-up to the game. Um, but <laughs> when when you when you were in the ground, there is not one person there the other day that didn't think the absolute world of Genie Wijnaldum. And and we, that his song got sung so many times during the game. Yeah. And I'm glad that he got to experience that yeah. before the season ended and he left Liverpool because he'll know what we really think of him. I felt that's why I felt sorry for Adam Milano last season. You know, not he, him yeah. not being able to get that kind of send up because he's another one. And I actually don't think he was anywhere near as in, integral as 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 Genie Van Alden's been to, to to that stuff. It's it's funny because I was looking looking into it, and in terms of like the you know the output, as I think Callum mentioned like the stats thing, and stats are so misleading in, for, for various positions. Like people remember Andres Iniesta and, and Xavi, you know, as being the best midfielders in the world, but none of them didn't get loads of goals and loads of assists because the front three scored all the goals for, for Barcelona. And I was looking in terms of context, in terms of the great Dutch midfielders, like Edgar Davids, an out and out holding midfielder, doesn't doesn't score goals. He's tiny, doesn't score goals. Clarence uh, Seedorf. Scores scored more goals than Genie, but also played as a more of a ten, more so of an attacking midfielder. Exactly, you know, Genie Wan Alden. My my point on this is that, but he's comparable to to both of them as far as I'm concerned in terms of now is you know the bits and pieces of silverware he's won, but also you know his output at the high at the highest level. If he didn't play for us. Because we idolised, for our generation, we idolised Seedorf and Davids because they went through that IX team and they played all across the continents and they played for the great Dutch side, World Cups and all that kind of stuff. Genie, when his career's done, I think people from around the continent will view Genie Van Alden in the same sort of way. And we don't, because we weirdly do this at Liverpool, because I think we're a bit myopic at our own players. And we don't we don't know how to play, sort of some, most of us do, but some don't know how to place us contextually in world football. Because if Genie Van Alden was doing for, for what, for Barcelona or Real Madrid or Bayern Munich or Juventus, what he'd done for Liverpool in the period that he's just done it, no one would have any doubt that he was one of the best midfielders on the planet. And every club would want it. And we would, everyone would talk about him in far more excited terms. And that, you know, I think we do lose sight of that outside perspective sometimes. The fact that he's going to end up at Bayern Munich or Barcelona after leaving Liverpool, you know, look, Thiago's just made that kind of move to us. And Genie will make that kind of move almost in return because that's the bracket of quality that Genie Van Alden's in. So yeah, it shouldn't, it shouldn't, it shouldn't get lost at all. Uh, we're gonna get some of the guys' memories from in a moment. We've got some super chats um, about Genie. Thank you so much, Stephen Price is gonna miss Genie. Will go down a Liverpool legend, uh, Philippe Hunt. I miss Genie a lot. A great servant to the club. The feeling of the end of the season reminds me of the end of seventeen eighteen. I'm confident if we make the right signings, we can win big. Uh, and we got one from Scott Hawks as well. Um, obviously, just talking in a general sense, saying a third place finish means we can continue to build. Jürgen looks reborn. Thiago Hendel, Fab in the middle. Curtis with the season to learn from all three. Love Genie, uh, but we will not just manage. We'll thrive. Thanks as always. Thank you so much for that, Scott. Yeah, I um, I think we um, the thing for Genie Van Alden that stands out for me, Chris. There's the obvious one. It's that the header for a start against Barcelona. I have never experienced a let off like that at a football match ever. Like the absolute explosion of emotion. So like for that forever, I will I will love Genie Van Alden. Uh, 
Rome away, another amazing one when he, he couldn't score away from home. Remember that was the thing? Yeah. He could only score at home and then he goes and scores in the Olympico. The, the, the vital goal as it was in, in the tie. But there's one for, for me that, that stands out and it was we got to play against him and John Flanagan at Pez at the Anfield Club store. And once it was done, Flano had to get off because he had like a family party to go to, and Gene just kind of hung around. And he was, we beat them, and he was a bit upset that he didn't get to play like a rematch with us and all that kind of stuff. But after everything was getting packed away, he just hung around and chatted with us, and we had to walk around back to the cars with him and stuff. And he was just a, he's just a thoroughly. Lovely it was just, it was just a normal conversation with a normal fella about life and football and everything and, and it was it was mad wasn't it it <laughs> yeah. was just that's my favorite memory of him because he came across like just such a genuine bloke and like remember we were talking and he's like you know I'm really falling I preferred Newcastle and all that the city he's talking about not the fans and stuff and and we were like well where do you live was it Formby did he answer or something like that I was like you haven't lived in Liverpool that's why and he's like you know not a lot of us do anymore and we were talking about our experience with Lucas. I think because and we were telling him about the Gini Wijnaldum conversation. I think it, that was the timeline, wasn't it? Uh, when we went to see Lucas and Lucas was like, yeah, I always try to tell them, get into the city, move to the city first. You'll get a better understanding of the place. And unfortunately, I think with Kirby being where it is now, Formby's a nice, a really nice place for the players to go and stuff. But just having that conversation and just what, like we were walking around, weren't we? And all the cameras were following us because like they were obviously making sure that Genie was okay. And like, it was just a random, and then we got to his car or we maybe got to our car and he just stood there carrying on talking for another five, ten minutes with us and, and stuff. And then he just got off. It was like half ten, eleven o'clock at night. Yeah. But was, he was just so nice with us. Just a brilliant fella. And yeah, it turned out he was he, he was mad into GTA five, which was a nice level of conversation <laughs> for, for for a while and, and stuff. And yeah, he might I'd bump into him on a variety of things on tours and stuff, and he would always be like, Oh, and come over and have a chat. I just again, you know, the, I, he gave me some brilliant moments as a fan. But also professionally as well. Just you know, if there was a if there was a mix zone, he'd always yeah, stop he and would, have yeah. a word, uh, and always catch up and always have you know and have a laugh and stuff. Yeah, so yeah, that's going to be sorely. And sorely I, I remember him talking about his kids and how they just loved the Genie Wine album song and they'd sing there all the time and stuff like that. And you know, there's a lad who just loves it. You know what I mean? And yeah. we were lucky, man. But I mean, that was a good conversation. Like, but it's nowhere near Barcelona. Let's be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Emma, what's your favorite? What's your favorite Genie Wine album memory? Yeah, probably a bit, bit of a boring answer, but I guess it sums up the fact that he's just kind of an ever-present and he's like, you know, he's he's he doesn't particularly score, you know, like the Steven Gerrard goals. He's just there in all the big moments. But, I mean, it's it's Barcelona for me is obviously the one because that was the time when Ronaldo did do one of those Steven Gerrard moments. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's, it's got to be that. But, I mean, aside from like him personally... Um, yeah, I mean, when, when we won the Champions League, I was in I was in Pop World in, in Liverpool because I yeah I didn't get out to go to the game, and uh, yeah I remember us getting getting kicked out by the bouncers and we were singing um, yeah we were singing singing Si Senor on on the staircase, but the last song that they played I think um, I mean it could have been like the twentieth last song I was just so drunk that I thought it was that song, um, but yeah it was it, it was it was a, the the Ronaldo song and everyone was just was just singing it and it was like they they eventually just kind of stopped the music and everyone was just in like a kind of a mosh pit in pop world singing singing the Ronaldo song so um it is still probably one of my favorite songs um so that will always be a memory but yeah it's 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 got to be Barca for me and I think Van Dyke tweeted the picture of um of him I can't remember whether Genie scored or Van Dyke scored but where they're sort of looking at each other like that. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I can't remember um, what game that was, but yeah, Van Dyke tweeted the picture the other day, and I think that's probably my favourite picture of Genie is him, him and Van Dyke sort of having that that like kind of Dutch teammate vibes, and he's just got the biggest yeah. smile on his face. So Amazing. Um, yeah, it'll be a sad day when we don't get to see him riding the bike in Evian or whatever they're going this year, isn't <laughs> big, it? You big, know what I mean? Big, big smile on his face, like <laughs> yeah. absolutely gutting. Go on, go on, Callum. What about you? Yeah, I've got two random ones actually. So his his goal against Middlesbrough last game of the season, um, yeah. sixteen seventeen, because I I think that kind of started everything for Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool. That that was a catalyst for us achieving all the great stuff we've achieved over the last few years. But also, I don't know if you guys remember. I think it was the eighteen nineteen season. We were chasing the, the league. We were playing against Cardiff, I believe it was. And he scored a goal directly, well, not directly, but from a corner. It was a rehearsed corner. I think Trent passed it and he came onto it and sort of lashed it in the back of the net. And I just remember his celebration. And it, it was almost like a primal lion roar. And you're just like, he loves this club and he really wants us to win stuff. It was not just a case of he's here just to be at Liverpool and collect stuff. And he actually wants us to win because he loves the club. And that was the moment where I was like, yeah, Genie, Genie really wants it for us. Yeah, I, I mean, we've got um, Saiban Stead here saying, for me, it's the goal versus Butter. Exactly what uh, Callum says there. With that, it kick-started us on this whole journey over the last four years. So I think that's an absolutely brilliant point. The one we always talk about, but we haven't mentioned yet, Chris, is the header against Man City. Mm. Is that mm. is that New Year's the New Year's Eve one? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, what a night out that kick-started, by the way. Playing playing a game of footy on New Year's Eve. Like, I was in, I was in. we were going out for a meal afterwards, and like, I, 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 mean, I hit the Sambucas early <laughs> that night. That's very rare. <laughs> for me to do but like all oh, because we beat, we beat Man City because Genie was absolutely I was working amazing. I had to work on New Year's Eve so it wasn't a good night for me I was fuming <laughs> <laughs> um, the question I've seen this question asked and I, and I don't I, I, unfortunately because of social media you don't get told but I'm going to take it at, at face value people asking a lot of people have seen asking the question will he be is he a Liverpool legend yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I, I completely agree I saw one guy it was in the I think it was in the Cop Connect Facebook group and some guy saying taking real umbrage with it of saying like no Gerard and Kenny and Tunes or whatever are legends Genie's not at that level it's like it's like having the world class arguments it's like Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi have ruined the concept of what world of what world class footballers are because if you're not lean, well basically now if you're not leaning on Messi then you're not world class because what else what level is that what level is is there above that Liverpool legend for me is you know. Anyone, we, we've had to redefine it because we had, us particularly, our generation, Chris, um, we would call players legends, but they, had, they didn't have the silverware to back it up. You know, like Robbie Fowler's a Liverpool legend, but, you know, yeah, he's in the tre- he is in the treble winning squad, but there's a point which he'd, he'd only won a League Cup for Liverpool prior to that. You know, there's plenty of players that we thought were amazing and haven't come close to the heights that anyone who's in this Liverpool squad has. And this week, Genie Van Alden, and so someone mentioned the fact that I, 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 I'm talking about the Iniesta's Avi stuff. And the point is not that I think he was better or whatever. But I hate these comparisons. If you if you're if you're a regular midfielder in a team that's the to, at the top of football, then you can stack alongside absolutely anyone, and you're you're. I have no problem with calling someone a legend who plays in a legendary team. And that's that's it, isn't it? For, for me, you, you can look at Kenny Dalglish, you can look at Steven Gerrard, and you know they're legends. Yeah. Um, 
and you get to the side. They're legends of the game. Yeah, well, you get to the side how you want to measure someone to be a legend. So I get to I get to ignore the fact that Gerard didn't win a Premier League because he was a legend, and I know how good he was, and mm-hmm. I know how he deserved it, and, I, and he just didn't get it, unfortunately. But Gino Wijnaldum was one of the sides that, A, wins the Premier League, B, wins the European Cup. It's the first Liverpool side to win the World Cup, for fuck's sakes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you can't be a legend when you're literally, you were champions of the world as a club, what are you on? Yeah. Like, what more can you do in, in a club shirt than become champions of everything? I mean, That's what we did. Jeannie Wijnaldum was part of that. No, I agree. You know, he, he mentioned there already, he scores the goal that, books us, that gets us into the Champions League for the first time under Jürgen Klopp. He scores the basically the winning goal in the semi-finals of the Champions League in 17-18, the following season. He scores the vital... Two and sco- four. Yeah, exactly. He scores the vital goals in, in, at, Anfield, at Anfield in the semi-finals against... Barcelona, he's got and, and a handful here and there of absolute stand-up moments. He plays centre forward in the new camp because <laughs> Bobby Firmino's in, in, injured. He goes to place in a back three away at Brighton when we're having a massive injury crisis at one point during this. Like I'm sorry, but like, and I know that some people take up because they like to split it. It's the same people. These are the same people who lose the shit over when you give someone an eight rating instead of a nine rating or a seven instead of six, you know, <laughs> pedants. Um, is, is is the point? But you know, I think about the list of people who are Liverpool legends who will be who will go down in Liverpool history, and not just for cult hero reasons. He he was there. He was in, he was he played in all the big games, all the big moments when we, and games. When, when we discuss this team in 15, 20 years time, we'll be talking about Trent Alexander Arnold. We'll be talking about Mo Salah, and there'll always be one person who won't let it go. There was Jordan Henderson and Gini Van Alderman and Fabinho in the middle, making sure that they could go and do their job. Because mm-hmm. there, there always is. There's just one fella that remembers more about it and, and the, has that understanding of it. And they won't let it go because, and you do it now. Like you mentioned Ronnie Whelan yeah. not that long ago. He's not one of those names that you pick out from that side, but there's always one fella that has to make you aware that he was a big part of it. Steve Nichol did a job for that side and all this type of stuff. Yeah. That's what football is. It's a team mm. game and you can only become the best if you're the best team. We've got some breaking news. Fabrizio Romano has just tweeted, Gini Wijnaldum is set to join Barcelona as a free agent oh. until June 2024. There's nothing agreed with Bayern. He wants to sign for Barca. Last details and here we go soon. So there you go. Gini Wijnaldum could be on his way to Barcelona. And look, the problem is, of course, if you if you decide that you've got something, for some reason, you're just odd and you've got some issue with Gini Wijnaldum, you'll go, oh, because Barcelona are not the team. Blah, 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 blah. He's Dutch you don't go- and he wants to play for Barcelona, you don't, they all want to play for Barcelona if you're Dutch. Yeah, you know, honestly, and again, you've just again, you've just got to put us in context. It's to say, it's a, it's a, it's a say. If we took, we taken any of Bayern Munich's midfielders to Liverpool, we would be made up. And if we took any of the top, when Barcelona were the top team, were, were the top handful of teams in the world, we took any of their midfielders. Same with Man City, same with any of these teams. That's a massive, that's a massive signing for Barcelona, a massive yeah. signing for Barcelona. And uh, you know, and the the point that comes next. Um, Cal, is that it's what do Liverpool do next from Genie Wijnaldum? Because I think we're gonna we're gonna miss him. We are going to miss him, and you know there might be games. There'll be plenty of games where Genie Wijnaldum wasn't, you know, the absolute wasn't a superstar on the pitch, and maybe some of the things he did do, does go under the radar. But when we come back to that longevity, that availability thing, having a guy who you can throw into any game situation on almost any position on the field. 
is something that you know we might find that we're a little short on if we don't do sensible business this summer. Yeah, just hearing that news about Genie, it actually hurts. It, that that kind you of tell it wounded. It yeah, now. there was a proper yeah. sigh when it when Paul was <laughs> yeah. talking. I just know he's going to go there and improve them. And as, as sadistic as it sounds, I kind of wanted to see Barca go through the ringer for a little bit for other clubs through it. For it. Um, but he'll go and improve them. In terms of us, I I don't know if you can directly replace Gini Wijnaldum. I think you've just got to get different players. And I think that's because he can do so many things. He can play as a six, he can play as an eight, he can play as a 10. You can start him for a game and know that you'll be good. You can start him in massive games and know you'll be good. You can bring him off the bench when you need to close out a game and know that you're good. I don't think that I can think of one player off the top of my head in world football who's available that you can go and get who can do that plus guarantee you to play 35 out of 38 games this season as well. I think you may have to go and get two centre midfielders to cover the loss of Genie Wijnaldum, if I'm going to be honest, because unfortunately Cater and Ox, because of their injuries or because of form, they can't be relied upon and then you're back down to Thiago, Henderson and Fabinho. Henderson, for as much as I love the guy, he needs to have his minutes managed a little bit this season in particular because of the injuries he's had. Thiago still get used and Fabinho, we've seen him break down sometimes with injuries. So mm. I think we need two centre midfielders, one who's slightly more defensive and one who's slightly more attacking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Rizwan Ali uh, says here, Klopp summed it up perfectly post-match. Genie came in as a top-class player, leaves a world-class player and a Liverpool legend. Going to miss the Brexit midfield. Um, yeah. uh, Stefan Valerio says, Harry Kuehl a legend for the 2005 Champions League, right, Paul? How did he get in a Brexit midfield? It doesn't make any <laughs> no, sense. It it's never made any sense to me. Neither way, permit. Um Jokes aside, love the channel. You guys make us fans feel connected even from Australia. Yeah, yeah well, the point is, is that, yeah, I mean, look at it, people, people, hold up people hold up all kinds of players in that Istanbul team but this is what I'm talking about context is that that team was a very was a flash in the pan so you were in we had a lot of rubbish players in that team so you know that team is legendary for that game but in terms of when we realised this this Liverpool team over the last I've said I've funny enough I was saying this to Kenny Daglish today that, oh, are you, yeah, yeah just in casual conversation Name yeah. um, but, the, but <laughs> it, we've realised this team has shown me how crap all the teams I've supported are over the Premier League era <laughs> because and this what we've got now is the closest thing to the to the teams my dad grew up supporting in the 70s and 80s because yeah. there's levels and that's the thing we've had to redefine we've redefined the lads we've got in this team now stand shoulder to shoulder with all the guys from the 80s and the 70s as far no, as I'm concerned like that, and then that it's was... outstanding individuals in between that who make who, who, you know like again like Gerard and Carragher's and Hippies etc sorry Emma yeah no I was just gonna say that was exactly what I was thinking I was like I'm 27 and this is by far the best local side of my lifetime so if I can't say that the most ever present midfielder in the best local team of my lifetime isn't a legend then what the hell is a legend? Like it's mm. a, it's a no brainer for me, and I don't think you can cap the number of legends there is. Like Liverpool are a, are a <laughs> club. So it's like yeah, it's like we're we're blessed to have so many amazing players, and just because they're not all Steven Gerrard or Kenny Dalglish doesn't mean you can't have you know another fifty legends. Like it's fine, you can have a lot of legends. It's 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 okay. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> I tell you what. I mean, I, I know better. Liverpool have have done that hundred players who who shook the cop. 
But Gino Wijnaldum's goal, if you were just ranking it on actually the cop shaking yep. against Barcelona, probably mm. shook it more than <laughs> anyone previously. Yeah, you know, never take that away from any of us. Genuinely, the greatest, the greatest goal, uh, re- like re- and reaction to it. I mean, almost in the history of Liverpool Football Club, it was just a sensation. Gino Wijnaldum gave that to us, and we'll never ever lose that. Um, just briefly, then you know we're going to be looking ahead to the summer now. It's done a few days of, of respite. Uh, the podcast will be taking a, a week or so of break while we recharge our batteries but there's plenty of content going to be going out on the redmantv.com uh, it's just um, it looks like Chris that uh, Ibrahima Canate is going to be the first in the door uh, Fabrizio Romano said the, the, the personal terms have been agreed for a while we know Liverpool don't hang around they like to get as much business done early and I think this season's going to be I think they're going to aim to go back to what they've done yeah it for centre halves well it makes it makes perfect sense you know we, we've seen I think how desperate we needed centre halves uh, you know I'd, I'd, I'd still like us to sign Kabak as well as Canate if the money's there I think there's going to be a signing for probably the midfield and the attack um, I think there's going to be one for every sort of level I'm not sure what we do with the backup goalkeeper this season hmm. um, but that might not be a bad shout as well Um Obviously, you know, you want to get your prices in before the price of the European players goes up after the Euros because they always double in price if someone has a good season or, yeah. and stuff like that. So that's important. Also, the players being away and not with their agents and all that type of stuff makes it more difficult to then get someone in before pre-season. We know how much Klopp loves having his full squad there for pre-season. So I expect Liverpool will have been working hard on on these deals and any other deals that come through to get, get them through the door. But it's going to be a busy first few weeks, I think, before mm. the Euros start. And, and then once that it'll go quiet and if there's any other business that we might be able to pick up maybe exactly yeah I think that's it I think I think there'll be some initial business uh, Callum that needs to be done so you know Canate it'll be a it looks like it'll be a, a a release fee kind of thing that just needs to be just needs to be boxed that might well be done by the end of the week there'll be a couple of other bits and pieces but you'll, I think you'll find the essentials get done and then a lot of it then will be circumstantial seeing how what who are able to move out and what kind of what kind of revenue we can generate but it's kind of encouraging and maybe it's just something that's going to get us all disappointed but there are quite a lot of rumours circulating around Liverpool having a having a chunk there to go and buy someone a bit special if we need to I guess we'll all kind of believe it when we see it yeah no I mean I'm expecting Haaland, Sancho Mbappe and Messi to yeah. join this summer um, I don't think that's even being spoiled um, no I'm joking obviously um, <laughs> I, it's, I think I think you're right I think there's a difference between signing players I think Signing the essential players, I think everyone knows we need a centre back. We've needed a centre back at the moment. Lovren left. You could we needed one when Lovren was here. So getting Kanate through the door is big. Um, whether we get a second centre back or not remains to be seen. Um, me being a Liverpool fan and being quite a spoiled Liverpool fan, I do want a second centre back. But I'd understand if we didn't and if Matip stayed for one more season. I think obviously a genie replacement is essential. I'd actually go down the route of a third-choice goalkeeper as opposed to a second-choice goalkeeper because um, I think Kelleher's kind of proved himself that he can step up as a deputy for Alisson, in my personal opinion. And then an attacker. I think we need an attacker this summer, whether it be a killer striker or someone versatile across yeah. the front three. That goalkeeper stuff's really interesting, actually. I, I've not really thought of it that way, but you, you want what you want to replace is Adrian's character. You want someone who's just actually a big, you know, sort of gregarious, sort of kind of a bit larger than life thing. I mean, you know, what Pepe Reina would do, who, if you have to drop them in, 
they, yeah, maybe they've lost something in spring and agility or whatever, but just having them, you, your goalkeepers need to have a bit of that. You need to have a bit of personality if you're not going to play it, or if you're not very good, you need to make up with it in personality. And it gives Kelleher a bit of space. I think that's really interesting. Um, Emma, what would you what would you be doing? Yeah, very similar. Um, I agree with Callum. I, I think Kelleher's fine as a backup. I wouldn't I wouldn't be too too bogged down with the goalkeeper situation. Centre back, I agree with Chris. I'd like to see Canati and Cabot come in, but again, I'd be happy with 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 one uh, one of them. Midfielders, yeah, absolutely need to replace Ronaldo. I'm quite keen on um, Ease Basuma, um, just because you know I think I think he's consistent. He's got good ball retention. I think he'd be a, a decent a decent buy. And I want an out and out goal scoring striker. You know, somebody. Um, who plays in a similar way to Harry Kane, although obviously I'm not expecting a Harry Kane to come in. Um, but because I think with with Jota, Mane, Salah and Firmino, we've kind of got the the versatile um, sort of front three, but I think we need an out and out, you know, striker. Um, so that, that yeah, that's, that's what Interesting I like stuff. Um, uh, Asylum escapees have created to Wonder Kids and here on YouTube membership. So the uh, throughout the season, the bonus show for Wonder Kid and Cult Heroes has been the Monday final word show. It will be the Reds transfer roundup show throughout the summer, which we'll be doing for you guys. Uh, that, as well as a whole host of other brilliant extra content is available on the RedmenTV.com, our Liverpool streaming service. We've done Keeps Alone, uh, arguably the most hungover show ever um, yesterday two part special so you, that'll be coming out uh, we're going to be doing season reviews today we're going to be doing uh, season ratings for the players in a massive massive uh, set of shows as well and we've got loanee reports from uh, at the moment almost everyone who have noticed who went out on loan but we'll see how we get on with them but they're coming as well some really great insight from fans journalists and uh, and actually a manager as well who's managed one of the players down the, uh, down the pyramid so that's all going to be going out over the next couple of weeks on the redmentv.com so yeah it doesn't end from us um even though we are taking a little bit of a break on the podcast so make sure you get your liverpool fix best by subscribing to the website and of course don't forget hendo 10 years of red is coming it is coming very soon there'll be a full trailer for that coming uh, in the next week as well so keep your eyes peeled for that um yeah perfect time to sign up and keep you guys going in a liverpool the summer and hopefully we can all enjoy the euros uh, the, the liverpool um involvement in the england squad will be known uh, very shortly We'll be doing a bit of a reaction to that if the inevitable happens with Trent. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Um, but yes, thank you so much for joining us uh, this season. It's been an absolute uh, shit show, to be perfectly honest. But we managed to, everyone managed to pull it out and leave us smiling at the end. Uh, so that's absolutely fine. Uh, yes, uh, thank you so much to Emma and to Callum. Do check out Team Coppish on YouTube as well. As guys, we're doing some brilliant live streams. I'm sure they have plenty lined yeah, up for the summer. Sorry to cut as you well. as well. Shout out to you guys as well, man. You guys have done brilliant this season. Always top content We've and you grinded survived. out. Man. Nah, you did brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Shout out to you guys, man. Thanks, Callum. Thanks, Callum. Shout Emma, out to the BBC Emma, as well, Emma. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, mate. Emma, have, you, have, you got, <laughs> Emma, have you got any nice words to say about us before we go? Uh, no, I mean, pathetic. Pr- yeah, pathetic. Chris was better than he, than he did yesterday. I'll say that. So. <laughs> It's true. It's because it's 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 his top's not quite as figure hugging as the top. Yeah. I was hearing yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I felt like something from the figure mushroom kingdom we yesterday. Did, you know we, we were poured into those shirts yesterday. Yeah. Absolutely. What's them little the brown? Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Um, if you want to see Chris's 
lovely cushioned lobs, then check out our Instagram account. <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal stuff from playing at the pitch. Uh, but yeah, that is us. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for joining us for this season. You're all amazing. Thank you so much to Jeannie Wan Alden, Jürgen Klopp, the Liverpool squad. Uh, and yes, uh, for all the people who've been wonderful and joined us on this journey, particularly the guys over on the redmentv.com, the lifeblood of Redmen TV. Um, yeah, hope to see you guys over there. Don't forget to get your Alison and or... Um, now Phillips uh, just headed t-shirts on redmenmerch.com and yeah we'll be back with the podcast in a few weeks time love you guys have a good summer hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out Quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands and the best part They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 